Welcome to the Sideline Live podcast. Subscribe for more episodes and follow our social media at the Sideline Live. We'd love to hear from you. On episode 19, I'm delighted to be joined by dual player Mickey Burke. We had a brilliant and honest chat about his career, overcoming challenges, his toughest opponents and much, much more. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode and I hope you do too. Hi Mickey, thanks a million for coming on the podcast. No problem Marla, thanks a million, thanks for having me on, appreciate it. Can you give a little bit of background uh, about yourself, just for the listeners who might not know who you are? Um, my name is Mickey Burke, um, I suppose I'm known as a hurler footballer, um, I've played for Mead since 04, making my senior debut. Um, I'm from a small village called Longwood in County Mead, uh, we're on the Kildare border here, Kildare and Westmead border and um, I'm a publican by trade, a publican and a farmer, I suppose. And uh, yeah, my dad was the local publican and my mother was the local school teacher, primary school teacher, and she taught me. So I suppose I'm known, if I am known throughout the the, the county and the country as, as a footballer and hurler. Very good. So growing up then, was there any kind of, can you can you remember kind of a point where you were like, I want to play for me? Was there a specific moment, maybe at a match or just where you kind of said, look, I want to go, I want to play for, for my county? I suppose I always had, uh, sub, I don't know, it's, that's a strange one, yeah, like subconsciously I probably always had it in, uh, as a goal, uh, like it was just, mm. it was bred into me from a young age, like my my dad would have always brought me to every mead game under the sun, a cold morning, a cold morning or afternoon in Navan to a blazing hot day in, in Crow Park at a championship match, like we were at every game, hail, rain or snow, so he would have played football for me himself and just had a huge love of football and hurling and sport in general and being active and um yeah like looking at real old photos being in a me jersey constantly had a ball in my hand did I ever think I was going to play for me maybe not but I must have had that goal there from a really really young age and, a, and an ambition to to get there didn't know if I was ever going to get there but th- thankfully I did yeah and was there a specific because when you're young obviously it's it's all fun and you're just having the crack with your with your friends was there a specific moment where you really took that seriously and you're like right I want to drive on here I want to get a call up to the county squad I think I always had a bit of an internal drive in me and you know a, a resilience and a want and a, and a determination I was definitely a late bloomer I wasn't the best even in my club you know, I I was probably only 17 or 18 when I started really developing physically, but I was a bloody sore loser and I didn't like losing. Um, You've met your sister here, I'm the same. Yeah, yeah, I was. And I, I was probably, being honest, I was a bit pudgy, you know, like that kind of young puppy fat and I, I, I wasn't well developed and I was a serious trier, but I wasn't quick, if you know what I mean. And uh, yeah. just everything just started coming kind of 16 17 18 then I made the minors and but like I said I always had that goal I, I always had a will to win and um yeah when you look back and all those little things uh they all added up and and, and thankfully I got there in the end like I said um, a particular moment is hard to know Mead we were a brilliant we were so successful from 1980 85 86 even though I was too young to even remember that right up to the early 2000s and you just 
you were going to every Mead game in Crow Park, never expecting to lose, and it was just religion. It still is a religion in Mead, even though we're not maybe getting the the success that we want. Mm-hmm. And you, how did you find that that year minor? Was it just one year you were on the minor panel? I was, I was, a, I was a minor in O two and O three, and I I got dropped off the O two one. Uh, Mead got to the All Ireland minors and All Ireland minor final in O two. Um, and again, I've often said it to people, maybe if I made that squad and got to the All-Ireland final with the lads, maybe I would have got a really big head and, you know, I was yeah. would have been swan around the place and swan around Nav and like, you know, like the great lads. Yeah. So I've had plenty of ups and downs, but then I made the team in 03 and we played Dublin, Dublin and Nav, and they gave us a bit of a bit of a whooping. And um, yeah, I played three years then under 21 and got called into the, 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 the seniors then uh, in all four, the year after I was a minor, yeah. And interesting, you said there about not when you were dropped in O two, that you, you kind of think, oh, maybe you know, if I wasn't dropped, you know, maybe I wouldn't be the player I am now. Mm. That's something that a lot of players do say is when they do come up to kind of a setback or challenge that it really helps drive them on and kind of get to the level that they are now. Definitely, and I like I said the same thing to kids all the time. If I'm asked for any kind of advice, you know, just do your best. You're always going to have ups and downs. Anyone with a, a straight career of winning every match or having perfect training sessions or having no injuries is just so so rare. And yeah, I've had like as I was saying, I was a late developer and then probably meet under 17s I had a really good year and I got asked to the Aussie Rules Trials under 17, which was just like, wow, I don't know where this is after coming from. Like, But yeah, let's go to these trials anyway. So I got to the very last trial for the Aussie Rules team, got dropped. Um, so that was a huge, like word that kind of started spreading, you know, Mickey Burke has kind of come from nowhere to playing for me on their 17s and then he's getting in the Irish trial and then, you know, oh, he's going to be on the Irish team and then you get dropped, you know, and it's a big kick in the you-know-what for a young fella and his his ego and everything and then, the, then yeah, that was the same year I got got dropped off the minors and, uh, but I, I, I it never came into, me, came into my head to say, no, I'm not doing this anymore, I'm quitting, I don't know why, but, um, yeah, had that resilience maybe that I'm saying and then I made the minors no three so you know for anyone listening I'm not trying to be the great lad but uh, and preach but you know it's it's career and life is full of ups and downs and we have to get up on the horse again don't we definitely yeah and talking about that transition then from minor you were called into the senior panel then the following year how did you find that first year of playing with you know the lads you probably would have looked up to for years, like they're they're big men. They're probably late twenties, early thirties. Some of them. How did you find that? Asher, I was in awe. Um, early you know, um, like Trevor Giles, Darren Fay, Graham Garrity, uh, all had two or three All Irelands. Sean Boylan was the manager. I had no experience of weight training really, so it was a massive shock to the system. Jesus, like uh, doing weights with these lads. And like I said, these were my heroes. And uh, to walk into the dressing room with them, I was absolutely gobsmacked. My jaw was on the ground. I was there going. I felt like a bit of an imposter. And, um, you know, all those things running through my head. So my the way I thought to myself is right. The way I'm going to get these boys respect, if I get it at all, is just by keeping the head down, training hard, 
um, being myself, which is which was just being a quiet lad at the time and and just trying to earn the respect by by training hard and. But yeah, it was it was it was an intimidating place. Now it wasn't you you weren't getting, you know, it wasn't unbelievably welcoming. It was it was a tough enough environment to go into, and um, but it was a great environment to go into. Yeah, that's interesting. You were saying about imposter syndrome. I think that's something that a lot of players do experience and possibly don't really talk about because it's, you don't really speak about that to to maybe your teammates or. Yeah, and like I was only a kid, like I was only eighteen, and um, like I said, these guys are my heroes. Sean Boylan was probably one is one of the most famous man- GA managers of all time. I used to go to Crow Park idolizing these guys, and then I'm next thing Mark Mark O'Reilly and Darren Fay, who would be uh, would have been my heroes because they were closest to me. Like they're only Summer Hill is probably 10, 12 miles away. Same with Trim. Yeah, uh, I was going to train with these boys in the car, so. Sure, geez, I didn't know what to say to them. And, um, like I said, yeah, you, like you hear of all these old school. If you listen to podcasts with with um, soccer teams and the way lads go into these rough dressing rooms, like Mead was known as a tough county. The the row in '96 and all these lads were were involved in it against Mayo in the All Ireland final. And yeah, I just I just went in and like I said, I wanted to earn these guys' respect by by training hard and. You know, doing my best yeah. and showing up every night, but it was it was tough. Like there wasn't hugs and kisses or coming over. Well, Burkey, how's things? How are you keeping? <laughs> yeah, uh, <How's> skill? <laughs> yeah. How, 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 what are you at? <laughs> you know, so it was pretty much just coming to the restaurant with the bag in the back, and I'm yeah, sure then after a few, yeah, a few weeks, then the boys. I do remember Niall McCaig, who would have been a younger uh, fella, um. At the time, Nyler probably would have been in his mid mid to early twenties from Navanamani's, would have had a good career at Mead, would have played with Leinster. He came over and shook my hand and, and welcomed me, and I always remember that. And it's something I've I've tried to do. Um, yeah. If a, if a new panel member comes in to say hello to them and and welcome yeah. them because it, it's not, it can be a tough like like going into a new job or anything, You'd be nervous. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's a nice touch there that he came over and shook your hand. Like that's that's really good. And now that you're doing it for for the next players that are coming that were coming in and, and are still coming in was there a particular lesson or lessons the wrong word but sort of takeaway from the early years in the squad when you were trying to get your name in there and kind of earn the respect of the lads oh any takeaway um like no i i'm not saying my way was the right way either you know i i have huge respect for a a cockier maybe version to come in and you know swan around the place and this this is this is my time and I want to you know I, I I have the right to be in here and I'm going to rip the place apart and if a young fella comes in and does that and play and plays well or a girl yeah. you know comes into the restroom and plays well you say to yourself Jesus fair play to her but I just didn't want to kind of set myself up for a fall maybe do you know that kind of way yeah. burst burst in the yeah. door well but saying hello to the boys well lads well Fazer there's there's Graham Garrity. Well, Garrow, what's the crack? How are you? And then go out and play terrible, like because they'd be like, they'd be like, who's your man? So yeah, who uh, does he think he is? Yeah, you know the who, 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 who's your man? Who does he think he is? And I hate that. Yeah, yeah. So, but I'm not saying that's right. You know what I mean? Like if if, yeah. if if someone wants to do that and they're brilliant and that's their natural, yeah, uh, persona yeah. or whatever, that's fine. So um, that's just the way I did things and. 
Uh, yeah. yeah, I kind of would be naturally maybe like that going into, if I went into a new workplace, I'd keep it low for a while until I break out. I burst out after maybe a couple of months. And then they can't, they can't shut you up then. Because... Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. And do you remember your, well, you probably do, but your senior debut, when, when was that? My first game was in, uh, was a, was a Bourne Cup in 2004 down in Wexford. Um, got into a row, of course. Uh, got, got into a row and got a, got a yellow card. Um, I was actually playing as a wing forward then, Orla. So oh, right. I was up, I was up in the, I was up in the forwards. I made my debut as a forward, um, kind of a worker, you know, like one of the yeah. guys getting back and tackling and, uh, putting in the, the graveyard shift, as they say. So, um, I married a guy called Colin Morris from Wexford, who had a long, long career at Wexford, and he was a wily old fox. And uh, yeah, we got into a bit of a barony, but I think the management, I think they liked it in a way when they saw it. And Colin Coyle was a selector, and Sean was the manager, and they kind of said, maybe this lad is, he doesn't take any messing. So um, yeah, it was great. Sure, the family went down and uh, don't remember a whole lot, pile more from it, but uh, I think it was in Castletown in, in Wexford. So. That's when the Auburn Cup was in the winter months. It was October, November 04. Long time ago now. Yeah. And I'm interested to hear as well, um, when did you start to get involved with the with the hurling squads? Was that kind of that similar age, minor, around those years when you were starting with the football uh, panel? Yeah, well, I would have played the whole way up. Um, okay. Both, 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 like from under 14 up. Um, where I'm from is actually a hurling area, predominantly in Mead. Um, all, all the clubs around us are are are, are hurling. So, play, would have played in 16s, minor, 21, and actually made me senior debut for me uh, the summer of 04 against Leash in okay. the Leinster, in the Leinster hurling championship. So I played for the hurlers first, and then got the call into the football. And I, I've tried to I tried to mix them then as best I could for as long as I could really. Yeah. Um, and I enjoyed playing the both of them, and it was something I wanted to do. It was definitely tougher on the body. But yeah. um, you were young and you were able for it. So, mm. yeah, I, I loved, I felt good playing both of them. So that's why I just kept it up. Yeah, that's interesting. And how did you, obviously there would have been, would have had to be in a lot of communication between the managers. How did you manage to kind of keep that training load within a safe range for you not to, to be plagued with injury with the likes of overtraining and stuff? Yeah, it wasn't easy to be honest. Um, there was definitely times when it wasn't an option. If you, like, mm. I'd be lying if I said that the football management didn't kind of question us a lot throughout my career. They kind of said, "Well, why do you want to be playing with the hurlers?" Like, yeah. and I'd say, "Well, I, I like hurling. I want to play, and I'm good enough." And not everyone see everyone kind of gives out sometimes about the dual player, but not everyone is good enough to play both. Do yeah. You know, like like you will have a fantastic footballer or you'll have a fantastic hurler. You, and I'm not saying I was fantastic at either of them, but I was I was decent at both of them, and I could play at that level. So like on Cadigan, or so you'll always have people who'll be giving out about it and and uh, giving out about the dual player. But yeah, the county footballers would have made it hard at times. The management, mm-hmm. um, yeah. it was it was great when there was good communication between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but many's the time I had to play league on a Saturday and league on a Sunday or um, league 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 on a on a Sunday and you'd have to for the hurlers would say and then the footballers wouldn't give you the Monday off you'd that'd be you like you'd have to train show up yeah, yeah okay. you'd have to train so um but again I was young and I was able for it and I, and I and no one was putting the gun to my head I wanted to do it I wanted to play as much as I could so 
Yeah. And thank, thankfully, touch wood, I didn't get too many. I seemed to get a bad bang. If I was going to get an injury, like I'd get a bad bang instead of a, a, a hamstring or a, a groin or a mm-hmm. calf. It'd be okay. a con- contact injury more so, thankfully. Yeah. And do you think playing both, do you, th- like, do you think it took away from from the hurt like if you were just to focus on hurling uh, but you because you were doing football do you think that took away maybe from your game do you think you would have been better a better player if you would focus on one of them oh yeah quite possibly um quite possibly like i definitely would think that my touch in hurling and if i'm being hand on heart honest i think if my my touch in hurling mightn't have been where it should have been it was hard it's hard to get everything in um, but the man, but the management were were happy with me and on the job I was doing. Um, obviously my fitness was was really really good from football. Um, yeah. I tried to get to the hurling wall as much as I could to keep my eye in. Um, but yeah, like it definitely was my hurling as sharp as it was probably a, a few percent low than the than the fellas who were. But it was probably enough to get me still on the team and and performing and, and fulfilling my role, which was. Could have been a man marking a guy or b being a worker in around the middle of the field. So um, I was never a huge massive scorer. So, mm. um, but I, I I would personally encourage kids to play as many sports as they can. I was only reading an article there. It was just came into my head where I was saying I can't remember where the article was on, but it's just encouraging kids to play as many sports as they can and not not concentrate on just one sport from like have this goal as a 12 year old that uh you know i want to be a pro soccer player or i want to be whatever i just think you know play as much as you can enjoy the movements i played a lot of badminton um hurling football like i did a bit of boxing so they were all great assets to me going forward Yeah. yeah i actually i was saw that before um the super bowl there was a tweet and it was about it was they had done they had gone through all of the players on each team. That could have been they put out yeah, they put out the percentages of players who played one sport, which was I think the lowest, then two sports, which was yeah. just under fifty percent, and then three sports and four sports. And this was like this is not like they were having the crack playing football and then or taking football seriously and having the crack playing whatever basketball. Like this is high school sports in the States, like that that's a high level, like and that just shows and I've, there's loads of studies on it and paper and all these things that the more sports you play and the less you specialize, the better you are. Definitely, because you learn more. You, you, as we were saying, you move. That that was actually what I saw. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Mm-hmm. Someone sent that on to me, and I was just like, brilliant. Um, like if a kid will say, for example, is twelve years of twelve years of age and is an unbelievable soccer player, and says, all right, I want to get to Man United when I'm 16, 17, and has that talent and actually does that, fair play. You know, like you will always get one or two people that will succeed at that and go on that go, and, and have that drive. And like I, when I was 12 or 13, geez, I didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, but yeah. like if, if they have that goal and they know what to do, that that's brilliant. But um, I I would say play as much as you can. And um I I felt better playing the two even as I got older. I just felt a bit of bit of mental freshness. Even if you lost if you lost a, a football game, you'd go with the hurlers there for a couple of nights training and take your mind off the stress of it. 
yeah no I, I would think the same I usually play um club football and basketball but I'm just injured at the moment but I always find the seasons don't overlap that much but when they do it's great because you just get that break and even after let's say a hard football match championship I'll go out and shoot shoot some basketball just for the crack just yeah. get the mind away from football and I was chatting to someone about it the other day if you know there's this big argument is the GEA now gone professional and all this stuff if I like I don't think mentally I would be able for a professional career at a sport because of that mental aspect of it being your job and you've you don't like you don't have nothing else but you don't have that distraction of work or another sport yeah um it'll be interesting to see what happens in future years but no I'm the same as you I always enjoyed just that chance of a mental break and um if you lose a game or if you win a game it's it's just it's just brilliant and like as regards the dual player i think that maybe it's 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 getting tougher because as you yeah. said you need two good managers open-minded managers the fixtures are making it harder for guys and um, but uh, but i've said it before on, a, on another podcast that i think that if the like of Conor Callahan kind of came out and made it cool again, or made it, yeah, uh, you know, for want of a better word, kind of sexy, like I think Conor Callahan would definitely be able to do it, like because yeah. he's so talented, he's doing it for cooler in the without hardly picking up a hurdle, he's banging in two, three, and two, four in club games. And if someone tries to tell me that he couldn't play for fifty minutes for the Dublin hurlers on a Saturday night and play another forty or fifty for the Dublin footballers on Sunday definitely be able to no problem yeah, but um yeah. again maybe he doesn't want to do that and but i think it'll take someone like him to change people's mindset mm-hmm. do you think the ga need to do more to promote and protect the dual players that are there now i know there's 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 not as many as there would have been before with the commitments at the moment yeah there's probably not as many as there was before but there's probably not as many as there was before because as you said the ga are making it hard mm-hmm. like keith higgins from Mayo is one of the best players I've ever played against in both codes. He's so, so good. What a hurler. He's unbelievable from Mayo. Um, and he was the same as me. His appearances for Mayo is outrageous. He nearly has 280 appearances, I think, in both, wow. you know, between league, championship, hurlers, footballers. It's incredible. It was put up on the Mayo page there the other day uh, when he retired from the football. So yeah. I think the GA need to... Look, it's hard to know. It's it's there's no easy answers. In fairness to the GA, the GA, like I I'd be really open to playing championship games on a Friday night uh, under lights, uh, trying to be different. You know, we're yeah. very slow to change sometimes, Orlan. And I just think that you know having that open mind and and uh, being quirky and and trying to change change things up a bit is is great, and that would benefit. You know, like if Dublin hurlers, for example, are playing on a Friday night. Our footballers uh, and and vice versa then played on the Sunday. That would give Conor Callaghan at least a day to to recover and maybe give him the chance to 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 do it or try it for a year or six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm um, on your you had it on your Instagram a good while ago. I I'd saved it and I put it up actually as well. You had um I think it was 2009 2010. You had a diary and you put out the goals for the year and it was. It was all about the, you put down goals for both. I can't remember the specific ones, but I think it was like make the Fitzgibbon team play, f- get up with the, and get a good game with, with Mead and both codes. Take us through how you sort of set those goals for that year. And you said you put them, you wrote them all down and the majority, if not all of them, kind of you, you got to them. 
Yeah, um, I suppose it was something I did. Like, you got to put that into context. Like, that's, uh, what, 10, 11, 12 years ago. I suppose maybe training your mind and sports psychology and all that type of thing was very much in its infancy. Um, it was probably kind of childish right at the same time, but I just thought, you know, something I, I've done and still do, I still visualise, like, mm. I visualise the end of the year playing with the with the, with Ireland in the shinty against Scotland. Like, I still have little goals like that, say, all right, if I play really well with the meat hurlers here in the championship, I might get another crack at the shinty. So, yeah, it just would have stuck down goals like that. Um, get get my starting place in the Mead football team, get my starting place in the Mead hurling team. Um, obviously, I was playing Fitzgibbon and, and uh, Sigerson in college and DAT. So, um, yeah, I can't remember a few of the other ones. But, yeah, I just would have had those probably basic goals, probably very ind- individualistic goals. But um, now you'd, you'd be thinking more rounded. But, yeah, no, it was just... I think goal setting is great and for anyone to have that wrote down in a piece of paper is it's there and it's in front of you and you know the man or the woman in the mirror is what I always say at times it's just isn't it you know yeah once you can look at yourself in the mirror and say right I did my best I did my best and after that you can do no more mm-hmm. yeah do you would you set specific goals then for yourself going into a match or going into maybe a training session is that would you have done small things like that going into a match or anything oh yeah I would have yeah I would have uh, KPIs key performance indicators I would have we would have well firstly with me we would have been given obviously roles to play on the day Um, if you're in a certain position you might have been asked to hit so many kilometres running ways you might have been asked to, to sprint um, so get so many sprints and you would be told that after the game or at half time we'd, we'd have GPS trackers on us different guys in different positions might want you know if you're a working wing forward we'll say if, just for example two or three turnovers in a half or get a block in or get a couple of hits in that type of thing mm-hmm. um, yeah my, my I suppose when I, when, I, when I was starting off kind of man marking guys it was very much along the lines of can't let this lad score yeah. Don't let him score at all. Um, and I remember if I came in and I was after playing a stormer of a game, Mark, and a really, really good player, and he got a point, mm. I'd be devastated. I'd be devastated, yeah. or a point or two, and I'd be like, I didn't do my job there. I didn't, you know. But over the whole course of the game, I probably was really, really good. But that point used to drive me mad. Um, yeah. I'm probably matured a little bit then in latter years, even though I still didn't like people scoring and you don't want people scoring on you. But um, yeah, again, became maybe a little bit more rounded and said to myself, right, um, I probably got the better of him for the majority of the game. And look, if he kicks a worldly of a point, yeah, so be it. You know, there's only yeah, there's only so much you can do for some of the scores we've been we've been seeing in championship. Exactly, like and the cornerback where I used to play, it was never a position that. You were going to get much praise, and I knew that the the papers are never going to be um not that you want to be you know loved, but you were never going to get much praise. And many's the time I would have thought I did broke pretty even or did better than most guys on Bernard Brogan or Dean Rocker guys like that. But they still finished the game with zero two from play, and you'd be like, 
you know, I, I, I did, I did my best, and I, I probably got the better of them, but they have the little zero two, and then maybe zero five from freeze after them, and all of a sudden it's seven points, and yeah, Jesus, Mickey Burke, your man scored seven points off Mickey Burke there, you know, and mm. that, that's what the general public would say, but you know. Yeah. Is it hard to avoid that as a player? I know you you won't like if you're not picking up the papers, but kind of having the maybe a passing comment in the street or wherever is it hard to kind of avoid the the constant criticism by some whether it's the general public or the media? Yeah, it is, and again, I suppose it's coming back to that individual thing or like different people reacting different ways to it. Um, probably at the start, I was probably a bit softer, and mm. you know, people's comments and things like that would hurt me. And, and comments are hurtful. Um, there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there now as well, and that was becoming really prevalent in the last couple of years. You know, with forums and all that type of thing, and Twitter, and yeah. so I mm. I stayed away from Twitter. Um, I tried I not to go on. <laughs> Yeah, I get enough abuse, I got, and I got <laughs> enough abuse, so I said I won't put myself out in that, I'll go on Insta- Instagram, but um, yeah, then I, I probably got a bit of a tough skin then as I got a little bit older in my early 20s, and I just kind of didn't bother with it, but a few instances were very tough, you know, obviously I had a big row big row with Hono Garrard at that time, and um, in the Leinster final, and, that, and there was like every shop, I remember being in a coffee shop in Navin one day, and uh, just having a coffee and I was in around that time and I came on the radio and everyone just turned around and kind of looked at me and um, the, the weird things like that but um, the papers could be cruel but uh, probably more so for my parents maybe at times and people around me more so than me like if, if I was getting abused at a game or mm. if I was getting a bit of hassle uh, you know um, if mum or dad heard it or yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't like that, whereas I kind of became accustomed to it almost, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Going into those games then, particularly maybe the bigger games, how do you sort of approach, let's say, going into Leinster Final and Crow Park, the big crowds, you probably people screaming at you, not possibly not screaming the nicest thing at you. How do you approach the the crowd and the sort of, do you have a pre-game routine of kind of keeping focus because a lot of people a lot of players say they don't really hear the crowd in Crow Park which as a fan it's it's kind of it's mad to think of but I know as a player you're you're so focused on the game yeah I I just try to do all the little things um in the in the lead up to the game I, I try to do my weights I try to train hard train well um eat really eat really well um hydrate sleep all the boring things that no one likes to talk about. Um, yeah, yeah. Everyone, everyone wants a bit of magic dose, don't they? Um, yeah, you know, uh, what do you take or do, what do you, you know, like what music do you listen to? And I'm just like, no, it's the, it's the, there's a process to it. It was the having my homework done on my opponent, knowing what 40 yeah. kick, 40 kicks, with what way does he like to run? So doing my video work. Yeah. And, um, you know, having that bank of training and knowing that I've trained really hard and done all those things. And again, I would, yeah, I would visualize Crow Park. I'd visualize running out to the field, listening to the crowd, the noise of the crowd, seeing the maybe a few different things. Like if it was a wet day, you know, a high ball coming in, would the ball spill, s- slide off the ground real quick or, mm. um, little things like that. That, that was kind of my routine more so than anything in, in particular. Um, just warm up well and 
all those just tick all those boxes and once I did that and if I had a good game or a solid game then great and if I had not so good a game well then uh, like I said I'd be able to look at myself in the morning and I could do that I could do that all the time saying that I know I've prepared to the best of my ability here and that gave me the best the best chance to perform mm-hmm. and you mentioned there the video analysis I know from a team perspective they would have been doing a lot and as you said KPIs but from a personal standpoint, would you watch a lot of games yourself? Would you watch clips of players kind of kind of know their tendencies, like you were saying, which foot, which is their dominant foot? Would you do that much? Oh, I would, yeah, I would. I, I definitely watched I def I wouldn't actually go to games, to be honest. I, I'm not a huge man to go to go to games. Um, yeah. I don't know if I've ever been to it. Yeah, no, I was at a few All-Ireland Finals with Dad. Uh, he hasn't missed. He hasn't missed an All Ireland final since 1957. So I've been to a few with him, yeah. but I wouldn't just go off the bat to, to watch a club game or an inter county game. I'd definitely watch them if they were on TV more so. Yeah. But as regards marking a guy, yeah, I would. I, we'd all be given an individual clip of a Dean Rock, uh, you know, a Michael Meehan, a, a Colin Cooper, and you'd, you'd see his movements and his 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 tendencies. That'd all be. Um, done by the video analysis then you just try and try and see what it, see what it does but again they have a game they could try something different so you just you just look for their their i suppose their traits that they that they have and have that in your mind have that in your mind yeah would yeah mm-hmm. but i would at the same time i wouldn't go too ott with it because okay you could be preparing all week for the gooch cooper and then maybe he's injured and then yeah next thing another lad is thrown in and he's a completely different kettle of fish he's a big tall fella and they're lumping the ball in high or he's a small tiny little guy and he's really really quick so yeah. do your little do your little bit of homework don't get too fixated on it but just have your little bit of homework done okay that's really interesting you mentioned a lot of names there who was your probably toughest opponent uh skill wise talent wise was there anyone that just really stood out in that that aspect yeah, like the Gooch, Mar- Marta Gooch in, in 09, All Ireland semi final in 09. Um, he's probably the, like, the most well known, but I always say it to the same people that I've marked a lot of good players that people would forget about, like uh, Paddy Bradley, Colin McFadden, all them guys, uh, really good players, Paul Kerrigan, Cork, like so, so, so many good footballers, Alan Brogan. Um, but I would say that Andy Morn, I've said it before, you probably heard, Andy was just. Mm-hmm very strong really really good movement never stopped moving uh which was annoying for me like most guys would would, would stop you know to give you a breather for a second he'd just yeah. keep walk, walking around the place and he did he was always talking he was shouting at boys putting hand up being really positive really really yeah. positive even if they were having a stinker or if he was having a stinker himself he would keep again that was getting into my head probably all the time he'd be like brilliant Joycey or whatever that's great work brilliant keep it going and he was walking around and then his movement he'd be able to give you a shove so Andy Moran was a handful he was he was he was a handful Um yeah there was David Kelly from Sligo was probably one of the quickest guys I marked he was bloody lightning um, but yeah, a lot of good, a lot of, a lot of different players. So it was always pressure when you're in cornerback. It was always yeah, pressure. That's it. With his movement, then out of interest, I'm, I'm a forward, so I'm trying to take as much, as much as I can from his game. What does like? Is he just 
walking around like is he kind of pacing kind of maybe not from the end line but from the 14 to 21 is that kind of or is he just not aimlessly walking but i'm sure he's walking with a purpose or moving with a purpose yeah moving with a purpose and um, like i said way quicker lads and i'm now jesus he wasn't slow but yeah. he always made the ball stick as well Sometimes when the ball will be kicked in the corner forward, you might get a little finger or you might just flick it away from him. He always made that ball stick and he'd, he'd pop it off to a runner coming through. Um, yeah, he started in fairly deep um, and wide. You know, like he'd be, you know, like he'd be right at the end line sometimes. And a lot of the time he mightn't veer outside the 21. So, but he was probably directed to do that. You know, like... Yeah. One guy might float out a little bit further and then they'd, they'd constantly be chopping and changing. But no, his runs were just very intelligent and um, he was very, very strong. He was able to try and sometimes when he'd make the initial run, he'd, he'd give me a little nudge and he'd, he'd be gone. So, um, and he was very, very, very strong. Yeah, but he's um, very positive as well in his talking to, to his teammates, which which I found uh, fascinating. I was, sometimes when you're a cornerback, you're not, you're so focused on marking that it's hard to see everything going on. But I do remember him being really vocal in a positive way, which was, which was cool. Yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned a lot of names there in terms of talent and skill. Could you give, like if you were to group that amazing, amazing bunch of players together and kind of come up with, a couple of common traits for those players. Is there a specific reason why they were just so good com- compared to compared to the rest of the the players in the other counties? I suppose just natural talent. Like, aren't some some men and women just so talented? Um, like the Gooch was a one off. Um, I always found Michael Murphy, you know, really really big 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 game player performed in all the big games I think James McCarthy is very similar for Dublin like he just yeah he's just a machine winter summer always performs and it's only when these guys are gone you you realize how how really really good they were Um, I suppose just that will to win and that I think that you have to be ruthless in in high level sport you, you know you have to have nice guys Nice guys win nothing is what they say, you know, that kind of yeah. a, a statement and it's a bit cringy, but yeah, you ha- I think you have to have a ruthless streak in you. Like you can't play for that long or play that many games or win those many games if you're not ruthless in some way, shape or form, I think. Like I think yeah. James McCarthy's probably the footballer of the decade for me. Um, like like serious, serious per- per- performer week in, week out. And he's, he's tough, he's dirty, he's a great footballer. He's got everything. Mm. He does the same with with Ballymun Kickums as well. I was watching the the Dublin Senior Club Championship this year, as everyone was, as club was before county, just phenomenal. And I think he probably goes under the radar potentially in some games because he's given a role and he just does it. And sometimes as a player, you're given a role that the the cameras won't see, as I call it. Yeah, and that's what I meant by he's a winter and summer footballer. Like he goes back to his club and he's still the dominant man. And I've seen brilliant county footballers but they're crap club footballers you know and that was something I never wanted to be I always wanted to give my club everything and try and perform week in week out for the club um, and he's he's geez now hang on I'm not comparing myself to James McCarty saying you know but 
what what a player he could do that week in week out over that long period of time. Um, he's he's definitely a man for all seasons, and that's why you know just that longevity of of like same as Johnny Doyle there from Kildare. Like yeah. Johnny's another guy who, geez, hard as the hubs of hell. He's only a, a rake of a man, a bony man, but by God, when he when he when he when he hits you, you knew about it and. Yeah. I don't think he's missed a game for something like 20 years with his club. Like yeah, it's absolutely it's sick. Yeah. And uh he played for Kildare for 15 years and hardly missed a game like uh, you know talking about weight some boys are just naturally hardy and just bony hard is what I like to call it and he's another guy winter or summer uh, hail rain or snow he always performed. He mightn't have mightn't have the all Irelands for it, but yeah. a tough cookie as well in his own way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh was there was Andy the smartest player you played against, or was there someone else that kind of just could just the like their just their IQ was off the charts? They just could outsmart a team or an individual. Um. Oh God. Yeah. Marty Clark was very good. I had to man mark him. He's coming back now. That that's a flashback. Mm-hmm. Uh, came from Australia. He does a bit of reporting now with uh, BBC I think up north he would have played with Down I think something, 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 something happened Marty now did he get a bit did he have a bit of an illness or something like that but um, he was out in the AFL and he was just athletically very very good a brilliant foot passer um, he could unlock a room with no doors with his foot passing type of thing and wow. um, yeah he was really really good um, had to mark him a couple of times but yeah, Declan O'Sullivan from Kerry. Uh, that was more so in a challenge match. Um, yeah, a lot of smart players out there who, again, Declan was a different footballer than, uh, again, another tough cookie by all, by all accounts. Um, mightn't have been really pacey, but had a football brain. Trevor Giles is probably the one, from me point of view, and, you know... He was he was the master at foot passing and kick passing, you know, back in the day, like so. Yeah. Um, um talking about those big games, I'm always interested to hear the pre-game routine, but as would as a player, would you have much of a post-game routine? I know the the team would do different things, but from a personal point of view, what would you do? Would you I know you had up again on your story, I think it was a good while ago, you'd you kinda note down after a game, um, I think it was you you marking someone and you kept them scoreless. It was a good few weeks ago, so I can't remember exactly what it was, but you were kind of right down after a ge- after a game. Yeah, it would like I'd, I'd just do my normal thing. I'd I'd like to recover well um, from a from a food point of view, from a supplement point of view, from compression tights and ice baths if they were available to me. I'd get in. I get in the ice bath and um, put on my 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 compression leggings, have a protein shake after the game. Just eat some good food, hydrate. You know, the next day, like as regards drinking, um, definitely as I got older, I definitely didn't do as much of it. I'm not, I'm not teetotal, but I, I drink very, very little. When I was younger, I would have drank after the games, would have went out. I think it was, I think it's important to blow off a bit of steam if that's what you want to do in the right way. Yeah. Um, absolutely no harm. You train so hard. Um, you see a lot of the rugby guys going out, soccer guys having a drink. Um, for me there's nothing wrong with that as long as you're doing it correctly um, but as I got a bit older I was like jeez I just don't want to have a banging hangover here now for a day or two and my recovery yeah. to, my recovery to suffer so um, yeah I would analyse the game I'd 
try and pick out points today if I was good at. I think people sometimes focus a lot on the negatives, and I probably was a bit like that. Yeah, uh, you know, like I was saying about maybe getting the better of my man completely, but he, he scores a point, and all of a sudden I think I've had a really crap game. Um, always remember the things that you were good at, and keep doing what you do well. You know, like if you're good at being sticky as a man marker and getting your hand in, keep doing that and keep practicing that. Um, you know, people people get lost maybe on the negatives. And I, 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 I won't lie and, and say I didn't do that. I probably do do that. And it's just a, probably maybe a bit of an Irish thing. You know, we're, we're, we're slow to give to yeah, we're slow yeah. to give ourselves any kind of compliment at all, aren't we? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's something... Um... I like I don't ride a lot after a game, but if there's a particular game that's just annoying, you know when you just have a game where you played and you don't think you played well, and you kind of I ride out nothing too formal. It was just kind of positives and negatives. No, don't really give them a title, but it's just kind of remembering there was positives because, as you say, it's an Irish thing. Jeez, I let my man score, but you could have had the best game of your entire life, but you're just focusing on the fact that this fella scored a point, like. Yeah, big time, big time. So, I, I yeah, like, I didn't, again, I didn't go OTT in the whole thing, kind of writing down a massive list, but if there was something I was disappointed with myself in and something I felt I really needed to improve, I would, and I'd try and put that into practice then in training the, the following week or the weeks after. But um, I do think it's important for us to, it's all about balance, isn't it? And I think balancing, mm-hmm. balancing everything that if you're doing something well, you know, when the, if you're doing something well, keep doing it. And if you, you know yeah. there's something that you need to improve on, well, then work on it. And, you know, I think maybe it was Tommaso Shea or someone said, I never got too high with the highs and I never got too low with the lows. Um, again, he had that balance. Now, I, I probably got a bit too low with the lows. Just, you know, I, uh, there'd be nights I wouldn't sleep if I, if if we lost the game or we... And I kind of think back and I go, Jesus, like, you know, but at the same time, I, I I mightn't have got to where I did if I didn't have that drive and that that hurt yeah. at the same time. So I just say to people to be balanced, to try and try and be balanced in everything that you do, you know, food, diet, training. Um it's it's easier said than done, but yeah. if you're if you're able to do it, do it. Talking about that training there, uh, we had a question in about kind of when you were balancing both panels. Comparing the the two squads in terms of the preparation expectation, which I know is different because the the footballers will be in the senior championship and the commitment. Can you kind of give an a comparison with the two squads? Like, would it be would it be the same commitment for both squads? There definitely would have been a a difference between if I'm being hand and heart honest between the football and the hurling. Um, I think the hurlers are, are bridging that gap now. Um, the footballers was just like elite performing, ultimate professionalism at the time. Um, the hurling was definitely a step or two behind. You had guys that were really trying to drive it, but then unfortunately you had players um, who maybe mightn't have been uh, doing as much as they should have or buying into it. And that's just being honest. Again, a little, a little bit is that the whole of Mead is football and you only have a yeah. pocket you have a pocket of hurling. So the county board then would be predominantly football and it'd be football mad county. So they the footballers would obviously get get, get nearly everything or, or whatever they want within reason. The hurlers might feel a little bit kind of the 
the mm. poor man or the you know the poor relation and the whole thing. But um, no, there would be there would have been a difference between the football and the hurling um, in terms of uh, training and the conditioning of the players and stuff like that. But I've noticed a big improvement in the last couple of years now that. And again, hopefully this year in the Joe McDonough, we're, we're, we're playing at a high level and playing a lot of good counties there. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, players have to change and, and have to want to change as well. You see in other counties like Leash and, and counties like that and Hurling are making huge strides by changing the culture and changing the culture in the group. So yeah. um, I'm hoping that that will happen as well with the Hurlers now. Yeah, probably as well the success of the football would have driven more of the county support and the the county board towards that and as you were saying changing the culture the big thing for me this year was um Antrim Hurling like they did really well like they're typically probably not a strong hurling county maybe but like you know they're up there now in um senior championship yeah it's unbelievable sure there um there would be again a pocket up in the lens that would be hurling mad eat sleep and drink it and they're a little bit isolated up there but yeah we played them in the Joe McDonough and Navin in the last game now we were out and they were probably they were already through to the final but again it's similar to Kerry as well North Kerry is predominantly hurling and it's all hurling so um, yeah it's about just changing the, the culture and like you said if Mead is, Mead is, we won seven or eight all Ireland's in football so it's football mad and you know it can be harder even getting a kid to pick up a hurl. So bar, barring areas like mine where, where you have, where, where there's a hurling stronghold. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that 2021 will be a good year for us. We're in the Joe McDonough again and we're training hard as it is while doing the best we can with what, what we can. We have to fill out apps and mm. we have our own programs to follow. So it's all good. It's all good. And please God, we'll see a bit of game time this year. I hope. Orla, please yeah. God fingers crossed yeah absolutely uh, I was listening to a couple of different things I think it was Brian Cody was chatting about um, changing the culture in Kilkenny you know if anyone doesn't know who Brian Cody is you can go google him but he was saying when or someone was saying I think it was when you when he started with the panel let's say training was seven I'm paraphrasing here but lads would show up at 10 to 7 whack on the boots and go out whereas now and I've heard it from other players as well the expectation for let's say training is at seven you're nearly rocking up at six, quarter past six. What do you, what do you, what are you doing in that forty-five minutes before training? Is it just having the crack with the lads? Is it doing your mobility? Is it what your activation? I know the bands are a big thing now. What what do you spend your time before training doing? Yeah, I suppose it'll vary for every player. To be honest, um, some some guys might be coming coming home from work, and it might suit them to go back to the house and get their gear and come to training, so they'd have their they'd have their gear with them and just f- fly in. Um, most uh, training centres now would have a gym or have um, you know a weights room or whatever in an area to stretch and foam roll. Physio, so like training was at starting, we'll say at a quarter past seven. I'm sure physios a lot of the time will be in from six and other. The hurling football physios could be in a six or, or a quarter to six. So guys are carrying knocks, niggles. Um, I have to get my ankle and my thumb strapped. So that takes like 15, 20 minutes from the physio. So I, I normally get in at about six or a quarter past six at the latest if training's at quarter past seven. I give myself an hour, an hour and 15. Um, might hop on the bike for 10 or 15 minutes just to warm up the legs. A little bit of a stretch, nothing too major. I'm not 
mad on the stretching anymore pre-training, just a bit more of mobility. And um, might get out in the field then for 10 or 15 minutes before training starts, just drive a ball to a lad or kick a ball to a lad, get your eye in. Just yeah. bas- basically warming up and prepping for the session. Some guys might have to do a bit of rehab. They might be carrying a knock. Mm-hmm. Um, and they might have to do a half an hour of rehab before they get out into the field. And so there's all those different kind of variants going on. But um, some guys just carry, have no injuries, have no niggles, and they, they might come at a quarter to seven, trends at a quarter pass, and just on with the boots, and they're out there for about 10. But I'd say most guys, we were told to be out in the field for 15 minutes, at least a minimum of 15 minutes before every session, um, just to get the body, get the engine firing. Yeah, that's it. Would you do much skill then before training? I know you're just kicking a football, but would you kind of go through the fundamental stuff? I I watch a lot of Colin Lally's drills up on YouTube. Is that something that you would focus on a lot before training? Is getting the particularly with the hurling, probably getting the touch in. Yeah, you get your you, you'd break into you'd you'd face a guy and you drill a ball at him there, maybe ten yards away, hand pass it, get your eye in, all handling push back another 20 yards, then maybe another uh, to 30 yards, uh, low and high, take the ball on your hurl, um, take it just in your hand. Um, and again, maybe some guys might do a little bit of shooting before or after training. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the same with the football. Like I, I used to do the same. I used to get out early, kick ball, hand pass, mm-hmm. um, solo, take a few shots, um, I probably took too many shots when I was younger. I probably, you know, um, out at the forty-five or sixty-five trying to kick a football over, was it? Well, yeah. When I was younger, would you believe it? Do you know how I got out of that? I read Donald O'Cusick's book. Okay. Um, the Cork Hurler, and yeah. um, it was either Donald O'Grady, the manager, or John Allen. You know the way you'd run out to the field and you'd see boys lashing the ball before the photo was taken. The boys would come yeah. out Crow Park and they'd be lashing the ball. Uh, it was either Donald O'Grady or John Allen said, "Right, boys, we're not doing that anymore. That's yeah. absolutely stupid, right? You're going to pull. You're going to a pull something, right? You're going to pull your hams, right? You're going to pull your hamstring. Uh, I think Dermot O'Sullivan actually pulled his hamstring running out of Crow Park one day. But anyway, or running out into the field, he slipped and pulled it. I'm nearly sure he did not earn a final. But he said, "Right, lads, photo." And you're going to carry the ball into 30 yards out on the D, straight in front of the goals, and you're going to hit it over the bar. Yeah. And ever since that, I never, I can hand on heart, it's amazing when you read things. I see boys coming out straight away and they're shooting from the corner flag. Yeah. And you're, you're going, boys, you're, ne- you're never going to do that in the game. You're going to pop your hamstring, right? Yeah. So, no, stop. Warm up yeah. and then kick ball. So, no, I, 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 and even when I'm practicing freeze, you know, people might laugh. I'm the free taker for Longwood. Um, but uh, I will start on the 14 and I will work my way back out. I will work my way back out slowly but surely um, yeah. to maybe 40 yards. So when I'm practicing. Okay. You know, so don't 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 start don't start in the 45 out from the out from the sideline. You know, like yeah. Yeah. get your get your confidence up in, in, in close and then work your way back out. Yeah. And get the hamstrings warmed up as well. That's that's the most important thing. <laughs> Definitely when you're getting to my age, if you're seven, <laughs> seven, 17 or 18 or whatever, you're all right. Yeah, yeah. And chatting about those sessions, like I'm sure, particularly with, let's say, football with the running sessions, you would have been going through hell um, in those sessions. How do you, like mentally you spoke about kind of 
a little bit maybe a sports psychology how do you just keep going through the sessions and just give everything and I'm going to be really honest here I struggle to give 100% consistently it's something I really need to work on how do you just it's I know it's mind over matter how do you how do you get through those sessions yeah no it's, that's great that you're honest or like you yeah, like absolutely i'm not going to sit here and say that i find every training session easy like that that'd be that'd be the biggest lie of all time i, I you know you have you have this lad as you've probably seen before on your shoulder saying um how good are you going to feel after doing this you're going to feel man you're a beast like this is great like you're flying here then you've yeah. this other lad going lad you've done this so many times you've, you've like you've, you've played in crow park you don't need to be running what are you doing yeah stop yeah, yeah. come on let's go in let's have a let's have a few cookies or whatever and you know like no one no one's gonna know no one's gonna find out yeah. go on let's eat chocolate watching telly and um i kind of i have to flick him away during the runs go away stop and and i'd be lying if i said that every training session was easy and of course i've thought of pulling out of course i've thought of pulling out but i'd feel like a fraud if i did I feel like, it, and, and the boys will be looking at you and um, the boys in training. And if people see you doing that in training, then they're going to say to themselves, well, can I count on him in a big game or can I count on him, you know, uh, when the heat's on, when it matters the most? And that's what I've just tried to do. I've just tried to to power on and geez, some nights... I don't want to say I was top of the runs every night either. Like I wasn't top of the runs every night. Sometimes I was in the middle, sometimes it was near the end, but I always just grounded out. And even if I was stiff or sore, I got it through. And I think that's better than holding up your hand and, and, and going, no, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not doing it anymore. If, if you hold up your hand and you say, I can't give anymore, or I can't, I can't, I can't run anymore. My legs are gone. Ca- mm-hmm. Carry me off here. Someone come under this arm, this arm and pull me off. Well then, then you've done your job. But, yeah. um, yeah, mental strength. I don't know. It's, it's just something I, I seem to have had. And, and I think I've got it from my, my father. I, I always remember him saying, never give up even when I was young and I was, I was no good and crap. And, and as I was saying, a bit of a late bloomer, he would always say, don't give up and keep trying and you can always do your best. And those, again, kind of cringy one-liners that people don't like hearing, but they're all the same things that I say to kids that, that yeah. you can do, isn't it? Do your best. And um, Because what, like, I remember Jerry McEntee, you know, what? how many times have you got to your limit? Like, I often ask myself this, Jerry McEntee used to say to us, how many times have you got to your physical limit? limit where you cannot you cannot give any more like i don't know if i've got there yet i don't know if i've maybe a couple of times um he remembers i i think i don't know if it was the 91 Ireland final against down he was playing or was it 88 against cork and he he had to be carried off the field like he, he when do you get to that state like you don't get to that state too often when you just can't your tank's gone it's gone yeah. So there's always more in you, no matter how much you think you have yeah, gone. Yeah. Like. yeah, that's a big thing. I know the it was the is it the seals in America? They yeah. always say if you think you've gone a hundred percent, you've only gone in your in your mind. It's if you think you've gone a hundred percent, you've only you've forty left gone, or something. Yeah, that's it. I paraphrase there. I can't remember the exact thing, but yeah, and I only I you kind of read these things as you say the cliche but then 
you start to really read into them and, and over lockdown we're doing a load of reading and sports psychology and loads of books but it yeah. is that thing you just kind of have to push and another thing that i read recently it was you can't let your mind the first like if the th- if the thought comes in to pull out you've lost like it mm-hmm. you just have to once your mind doesn't have that thought you can keep going but the mind is the first thing to go yeah and it, I, I, I was going to say the navy seals you're, you're definitely doing a lot of reading i'm the same as you like that is can you imagine how far they and and they have the they have the guy in the shoulder like if they if they ring the bell there's a yeah. bell there and they can go at any time they want. They ring the bell and they bring them in to give them donuts and coffee. That's the famous one. You know, come on yeah. in, come on, come on inside, pal. We'll give you donuts and coffee. And they go and yeah. they ring the bell. But they're done then. So you have to flick that guy off that wants you to go eating the cookies. And once you have the training done and you've given everything, then you can have a few cookies yeah. and enjoy it, you yeah. know. So exactly. but um yeah, so yeah, it's amazing. The body is and the mind, we don't know half enough about the mind. And the mind is a muscle and, and, you know, train that as well. And like I said, do a bit of visualization and the mind is so deep. It can go to places that we can't even imagine. And the body can as well. The body can go, people can push our body and to to places that we just don't know. So look at the Navy SEALs. When they think they're done, they they still reckon they have another 30 or 40%, whatever it is. It's just amazing. Yeah, there was a guy actually, he employed a former SEAL as his personal trainer. And the first session, he the trainer, the SEAL, asked him to do a pull-up. or It was pull-ups. And he could only do one. And he was wrecked. And the SEAL made him do, I think they ended up doing 100 or it could have been more. And he said, in my mind, I would have never thought I could yep. have gotten there. But because your man was pushing him and saying to him, you're only gone... Like he would have thought he had maxed out hundred percent at one rep, but he got to a hundred. Like that's incredible. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It's unbelievable. It's mad. And and again, that shows you how far. Like when Sir Roger Bannister won the or the, did the the four minute mile back in the day. Like the 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 time was no 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 one could beat four minutes for the mile in a run. Mm, yeah, I think it was it would have been the fifties. Uh, Sir Roger Bannister, yeah. Uh, I think it was the 50s. But within about three weeks, about 10 people had broken his record. He was the first guy to do the four, the mile run in under four minutes. He collapsed at the, yeah. like there was a big thing in London and he there was oxygen there and everyone, oh my, this is unbelievable. And it was, like sure no one had done it. But yeah. then, within, then within about three weeks, another 10 lads had done it. So it just shows you, it just shows you, like, if you're struggling at 100 kg in the bench press or 80 kg or whatever, your squatter, um, you can break that. That's, that's your, that's your mind. Like, you can do 102.5, you know, you can add a couple of plates and you will get there um, with practice, obviously with practice, if you don't, if you're not practicing, you won't, but you can get there. Um, Yeah, like the body, the body is amazing amazing piece of work yeah i'm interested here as well about your own training and i was talking to someone recently about training and i'm, I'm coming back from injury and the training like it's particularly when you're kind of training by yourself and you're getting ready for match day or county training session the training nearly has to be as hard if not more difficult than those situations so as you said you know in your mind you can go to that level like you were saying with the the four minute mile, because mm. the other guys saw he did it, they went and 
and achieve the four minutes? Yeah, I suppose from a personal point of view, or like I always enjoyed training anyway. Um, I never found it a chore. I, 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 I really loved the grind of training. Um, I know that's not for everyone. It's definitely a tough time at the moment and people are, I said I'd kind of put up a few videos here and there of the training that I'm doing. And again, I don't want to be preaching. I'm not saying it's right. My volume of training is right or my gym work is right for everyone. It seems yeah. to have su suited me. It's made me... The reason why I did it is um, uh, gym work or why I do gym work is obviously to be battle-hardened for games and not to pick up injuries. That's mainly number one. Number two is just general health. And, and three, I, I want to try and look good. Like, you know, I'd be lying if I said I didn't yeah. want to have a decent figure like or help me to have a decent figure. Um, but as regards the training, um, yeah, I would have been a fecker for training all the time and... I probably still am and I still have that in my head that oh I need to train for hours and and, and tush and grind and geez if I hear lads doing an hour and a half I have to be doing two and a half or three hours you know but now I read Eddie Jones's autobiography and and English rugby uh, um, manager trainer as you said coach I read his autobiography and like you said there a second ago his big one is pushing the players in training so hard that they're never going to experience that in a match day though. when it comes to a match day that they're going Jesus this, this is well you know not this is easy, it's or, easy yeah, yeah it's <laughs> yeah. not not yeah not easy but uh, it's nothing like we've done with your man up in the stand there Jesus that was torture like um, yeah. so his trainings according to his book have shrank from like an hour 30 to like 45-50 minutes with England and okay. it's yeah. meant to be it's meant to be horrific like it's meant to be horrendous stuff but um he he said that he in that they were going to get to the world war day well he said they were going to win it and they nearly did to got to the final so um and he said they were going to be the fittest team at the world cup so um yeah it's it's about uh, again like i said balance and, and getting to know your body and what what works for you um yeah. what what gets you to the performing to the best of your ability that's mm -hmm. what i'd be saying to, to people you know the weights and that like geez i just don't lift weights all day every day and do no running or or no no football or hurling i have to mix yeah. and, and combine all those to the as best i can mm -hmm. you mentioned there you're, you're you do a lot of training i know you train on christmas day and to pe some people listening, they're going to be like, what is your man going out on Christmas Day? Can you explain the, the thought process behind that? Because I know you're doing that for a while. It's it's starting to become a little trend now that you see uh, players going out on, on the 25th of December. Yeah, yeah. I, I said that recently um, enough. Uh, yeah, I always train on Christmas Day again, being a bit of an oddball and a bit of a, a, bit of a, he a headbanger. Um, I enjoy just going, so I could enjoy my Christmas dinner. To be honest, I get up in the morning and I and I go for a run, and it can be a boring enough old day anyway. You get up and you're just lazing around, and um, it was just a normal day for me. And got up and I trained and had a fine dinner. But as I was saying, um, daily, I, I you probably heard daily Thompson was a decathlete for England, um, Olympic athlete, unbelievable unbelievable athlete and uh, he was the same he used to always train on christmas day mm. then he then he started hearing people were training on christmas day as well so he had to train twice a day so <laughs> yeah. I, I i i started doing that the last couple of years i heard of all these boys going i said i was like 
Jeez, I thought I was the only person training, and I was for a long time. I, I know, yeah. I don't know, don't know, actually was as well. I read it in his book. He used to go out on Christmas Day, he used to go to the wall, but yeah. so, um, I said, Feck is now if you're all doing one, one session, I'm doing the two. So that's what I did. My mother thinks, you... mother thinks, yeah, cracked, like <laughs> there's there'd be a few people listening now thinking is that as well. What do you did so? What do you do in the first and second session? Would you do running and then gym, or was it what would you do? I'll tell you my exact Christmas day. Uh, let me see. Was it was my exact Christmas day this year, or was it the year before? Were we in lockdown? Can't remember. I went to the forty foot at yeah. nine o'clock on Christmas morning. Drove up to the forty foot, an hour away. Got into the forty foot for a few minutes. Was it busy? Had a, had a couple. Of, oh, it was absolutely jammed. It was really? jammed. Yeah, it was yeah. jammed. Oh, it was jammed. That's probably my third or fourth time up there. Yeah. Uh, there was a goal goal mile run. Um, in the village here in the canal, so I came back yeah. and I did I did that. So I was fucking starving after driving up to Dublin and in the, in the cold water. And then the, the yeah. so then I had my dinner and then um, or no I didn't have dinner. I had a bit of lunch because um, our dinner dinner's late. And then I have the gym out the back, so I did a bit of a gym session. Then I had my dinner. So that was um, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The beer kegs out. I've seen a few videos. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's only for a bit of crack. Again, look, yeah. I don't. I don't take myself too seriously, and if people, I only do for the crack, and and it is a bit of training. Jeez, like they're heavy, like so yeah, um, yeah. they're not they're not easy to lift. Um, so I just was trying to think of different, funny, innovative uh, things, bit of strongman stuff again. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to be different. So mm-hmm. uh, that that's what I said I'd do that day. If you have any good ideas, let me know. Or like if you have any, yeah, yeah give, sh- hit, hit me up and let me know for a bit of training. Yeah, I'll send on a few few basketball running drills. If if there's any listeners from the basketball community, they'll they'll know what I mean. Uh, there's some I remember some sessions. It's that you were mentioning, um, kind of coming last in the in the runs. I remember my one of my coaches there. If you came last, you were doing five suicides, and that's not just five sprints. That's quarter way back, halfway back, three quarter back, full back. That's only one. You have five more to do. Wow. And the other girls the other girls are are getting their water and they're getting their recovery and you have to do that and you get a sip and you're gone to the next drill. And there's if you're yeah, if you play basketball you know that pain. But um I don't, you... I don't I don't I don't I don't no, sorry, sorry for interrupting you. I don't I don't know, um I'm not gonna lie, I don't know an awful amount about basketball. It's one of my few sports that I don't know an awful lot. I loved Michael Jordan's um documentary, obviously, but Oh, phenomenal. The the skills and the, the movements defensively uh, are very transferable between um, Gaelic and 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 but like we've had a lot we had a good bit of basketball work in the last two or three years with Mead mm-hmm. just yeah. def- tackling shape body movement things like that I just found yeah. it very interesting it's something I'll try and learn yeah. more about in the next few years basketball yeah so yeah there's there's a couple of um dual players I call them in a basketball sense uh, Dana Finn from Mayo I would have had her on phenomenal basketball player brilliant football player plays for Mayo obviously Kieran Donahue you would have know but yeah there's a huge yep. huge correlation there for those listening and my mom's going to be listening she doesn't get she doesn't get the commitment for intercounty like, she doesn't understand like why do you why do you push yourself to that why do you train on Christmas Day why do you play the two like can you explain to people who don't get it why you push yourself and why players 
give this huge commitment and and essentially at some stages put their life on hold to play for their county. Yeah, I don't blame your man. Like it's it's. Uh, I've been. Everyone knows I love rugby league, and I was asked into the Irish camp a couple of times to to chat to boys like who play with Warrington and play with St Helens in rugby league in England professionally, and I was telling them about myself, and they're asking all about my career and blah blah blah, and then they'd say, "How much do you get?" And I'd say, "Don't don't really get." <laughs> yeah, don't don't really get much to be honest. Don't really get any money, like. And they're like, you know, you don't get you don't get wage, like. They talk yeah. like they talk like they're from you know it's northern England. You, you don't get wage. You don't get you, no money. And I said, uh, no, no, I don't. Like we get gear and our medical expenses, and mm. it's for the love of the game. And and they kind of go, wow, jeez, that's my, it's like um, semi pro in England or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, pr- mm. kind of. So. Um, to explain why do you do it? You do it because you're brought up with it. You know, you do it to play in Crow Park and the best stadium in the country. Mm. You, your county's football mad. Uh, people recognise you. Um, not the, you know, I don't mean some cringy saying that to people, but you, you know, the, obviously you become an inter-county footballer, people recognise you on the street. Um, you do it for the love of playing for me. All I wanted to do was win, win, win medals and put on that me jersey. Um, just ingrained in you by your family and your club and mm-hmm. um nothing beats nothing bet, bet putting on the me jersey for me or beats putting it on like it's it's just it's mm-hmm. so 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 special and if you ask any of the dublin guys or anything like that or anyone it, it, it doesn't have to be winning all errands you shouldn't define anyone um mm-hmm. you know putting on your county jersey if that's what you want to do is just it means so much and means so much to your family and friends and community yeah Absolutely. We had a great question in from Owen. Do players enjoy the the commitment? Like I know it's it's twenty or thirty plus hours that you commit to playing intercounty GA or do you think there should be maybe a cap on the time commitment or a shorter season like there has been last year to help players kind of pursue their career and other things off the pitch? Yeah, it's very. I think it'll be very hard. Uh, that that chap on like it'll be very hard to cap the amount of training that you do. Like it's. It, mm-hmm. Would I love to be a pro? Would I have loved to have been eighteen and, and signed up and play professionally? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I would have. I would have. That's, that's me again. Like you said, you mightn't have liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I, I would have enjoyed it. Um, I think. Um, would have been tough, obviously, at times, but. To cap the training will be tough. Um, I definitely think that the season is 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 a huge bugbear of the players, and I think one thing the COVID showed us is that we co- we could uh, have a season that was shortened and mm-hmm. work worked. Uh, got a lot of club games in the telly, which is brilliant, and it was played relatively quickly. Like. I don't know what the story is of basketball, but I'm sure your games are pretty much are they week week on week, week on week. No, well, usually yeah, they'd have weekly, and then sometimes depending on competition, it would be potentially Friday or Sunday night, or potentially a midweek. They could have two games in one week, but it's usually yeah. weekend. Yeah, but weekend or so. you, what I mean is you're not waiting like playing a the game, then having to wait two or three weeks for another game. Or, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a much, it's a much. You would play compared to GA. You would play a lot more games in season than yeah. than having this four week gap to the All Ireland, like like you were saying. 
crazy, like crazy stuff. And and the volume of training we were doing, um, like I remember one specific time we had our last league game, which would have been like the first or second week in April. Mm-hmm. And we were the last team out in the championship, which was a full 11 weeks away, like 11 weeks. We had to do another preseason and it was horrific. Mm-hmm. We were in the Hill of Tower, like that's crazy. So... Players want games. Players want week after week. You do a pre, you do a simple preseason. Well, not not a simple preseason, but you do a short enough preseason, and then you've week on week, like like the Premiership in soccer. You play game after game after, like basketball, play a game, and if you have to play two games in a week, that's what the players want. If you had to play on a Wednesday night and a Sunday, sure, great. Players players want games. Exactly. Um, so I think that the GA, um, one thing it showed is that the, the championship can be run off. Uh, properly, uh, relative, relatively quick. Mm. Did you enjoy watching the knockout championship, or do you prefer watching the super eights? No, I enjoyed the knockout championship this year. I think that I think the GA made a mistake and haven't. I think, in my, just in my opinion, I think it was a great opportunity for them to have a completely open draw. Uh, do like I said, do something different. Yeah. Um, do something different, you know, it wouldn't have been savage if Dublin got drawn out against Leitrim and had to go to Leitrim in the first round, you know, or yeah. or, or Watford or something like that, something quirky, or yeah. Kerry got thrown away in the first round. Um, yeah. I think it was a big, big opportunity missed, but I, 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 I know that players wouldn't like it every year, a straight knockout. I think right. that, I, think, I do think that for the training that we do and the amount of game, or the amount of effort that we put in I think there should be definitely at least one backdoor game okay. in, in my opinion so if you, so if you lose a game if you lose a game you have one more bite at the cherry I, I, I think that a straight knockout is for last year yeah it had to be done 100% yeah. but I think going forward I, I, I think that management and players wouldn't want a straight knockout I think okay okay yeah that's interesting uh, you mentioned there you were speaking to a couple of rugby teams I know you were kind of in touch with a couple of the uh, I think it was minor under twenty mead players. Um, I know it was kind of a once off. Was you weren't really involved as management there? What were you kind of helping the lads with? Um, what were you kind of trying to pass on to them uh, and give them advice on? Oh yeah, get just not forcing it on them or like whatever they wanted to talk to me about. Really, if if someone wanted to talk about my experiences or what I would do in a game, um, or what I would do pre-game, like you were asking me, um, I'd, I'd talk them through it and give them a little bit of pointers if I felt that there was something really, really, really obvious in their game that they were mm-hmm. good at and maybe not not, not so good or poor at. Um, just little things like that, yeah. And I, I've been lucky to be asked to a good few schools and uh, for chats about food and diet and health and that because obviously I'm studying nutrition and Hopefully, hopefully, going to be a qualified nutritionist very soon. So, um, I'm passionate about that and and food and, um, yeah, I was in with the Irish rugby league team as well. So, um, just chatting to them and yeah. So, look, at, I enjoy talking to people and communicating. So, if people want to listen to me and, um, I suppose I've had a probably a varied career. I, like I said, I've had ups and downs. I've had injuries. I've had suspensions. Mm-hmm. I've had different things. I've had a long career, so I, I can cover a good few bases on all those different issues. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas maybe if a guy who or, or a girl who's won everything and hasn't had that experience of losing or maybe yeah. break, 
breaking her leg or or getting suspended they can't talk to people about those things so yeah um, yeah you're bringing you know, sort of uh let's say a wider experience rather than just the sort of yeah maybe ma- star all the way up maybe so maybe so like yeah i've had i've had the bumps in the road i've had being dropped Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of horrendous injuries and um, mm-hmm. suspensions fights and I, I've played for um, what are we going on now this is my 17th year as an inter-county player I think um, mm-hmm. so I've had a long one and um, yeah I could take a, take a good few of those boxes alright Orla yeah do you do you kind of see a future in coaching do you want to coach potentially in the future definitely wouldn't say no to it um it's it's something probably to have thought about a bit more and um, maybe yeah like i wouldn't be anti-coaching at all i enjoy it i did a lot of it underage um with with the club here so but maybe in maybe a nutritionist role or performance nutritionist kind of like daniel davy um if i got to his his level um like i'm going to be a qualified nutritionist so i actually seen a um a job came up in the munster rugby academy there um, oh i saw I, that as well yeah yeah, recently, and I, I, I was, I was going to apply for it, and then I said, no, fuck it, I won't. Time's just, just not right at the moment. I don't have enough. I've, <clears throat> excuse me, I have too many things on at the moment. So, something like that, or maybe get into the IRFU, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, that, 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 that would interest me. You know, fueling athletes and helping them recover. And again, I would have played myself, so they would know that um, this guy's played to a, a relatively high level. He knows what he's on about as well. So, yeah, something like yeah. that. Who knows? You've yeah, you've mentioned there a lot of books, and I know you're you're big into podcasts as well. What are your kind of you? Do you have any favorite books? What would you recommend? Uh, or are there any sort of social media pages that you get a lot of value from? Um, I'll show you. I'll just actually I've my three books on the table here now that I'm reading at the moment. No, not oh, to bo- not to bore you. Uh, these are only three books at the moment that I'm just siphoning through at the moment. I don't know if you can see them. Bill Walsh. He was an NFL footballer, uh, Arsene Wenger, and what way am I turning that? Turn it this way. And uh, Cameron Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith is probably the greatest rugby league player of all time. Um, He he has the most records. He's still playing, actually, Um, down in the NRL. So, uh, yeah, like I love love all types of books. It's, it's, It's hard to give you an exact book like, because I, I forget about a lot of them. Like I love, I like Peter Stringer's and Donico Callahan's and Richie McCaw's guys that played for a long time, yeah, and pre- performed for a long time. Um, and yeah, I'd just be following on social media, just be following kind of strength athletes and, yeah. um, I like I like people know I like bodybuilding as well. So I, I have an open mind as regards all types of training, and I'm I'm open to I'm open to it all. What about you? Yeah. Have you any Have you any good ones that you like? Uh, to follow uh, on really, social on social media um who am i gonna um, if i'm trying not to leave them out now but actually i had johnny cooper on the podcast there uh, a while ago he is doing a page called um be unrivaled on instagram it's all about right um sort of performance and different things and i think you'd actually really enjoy it he puts up some really interesting content and he does some um kind of q a's on the page which is really interesting Uh, i'd really i'd recommend that and books wise uh the champion's mind was really good and i'm actually reading i just finished jim mcginnis's book which i thought was excellent and toughness 
by he's a basketball player and he does a lot of stuff on ESPN. Uh, Jay Billis, that was really good. I'm I'm nearly finished that. Would highly recommend even to a non basketball person. It's he kind of relates it to life and it's really really interesting. But that would be probably and podcast wise, actually, you'd probably really enjoy it. The high performance podcast. I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh yeah, yeah. I've actually it's been coming up on my Instagram a bit more, uh, more recently. Is uh, Johnny Wilkinson yeah. was he on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was. Yeah. yeah, that episode was brilliant. I I'm really enjoying that podcast. That's probably one of my favorites at the moment. They just they just have some really quality guests. And it's not even quality guests. It's just good conversation. You know what I mean? You don't have to have the biggest name to have a great conversation. You know what I mean? No, no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I read Jimmy McGuinness actually. It's over there in the corner as well. Um. Some man, Johnny Cooper, yeah. Oh, be what is it? Be unrivaled, is it? Be unrivaled, yeah. I'll send you the the link afterwards. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, no, I'm enjoying that one. Uh, I I remember running down the chasing back, um, someone in a game. My memory from games actually isn't isn't unbelievable. Like I don't remember every second of every game, but I remember okay. running run like the clappers after someone down the middle of the field, <laughs> and the ball was probably. 10 yards ahead of me like I was never going to get whoever it was yeah <laughs> Johnny Cooper came out of nowhere and absolutely took the legs from under me <laughs> I went flying I, I I fell flat in my face uh, so I, I he went off laughing I wanted to kill him but he, um, he he was gone but he absolutely burst me out of it and I was flat in my face so um, he was giving his teammates like the, the boy Dublin were gone with the ball but uh, yeah no yeah. it was very fair play to him I would have done the same thing wouldn't blame him at yeah. all yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, final question before we move on to the final segment uh, Sideline 7 what advice would you give to players looking or who are dual players on kind of balancing everything and playing two, two sports at a very high level yeah, just enjoy it. Um, mm. Practice both. Don't get too like if you're young. Don't 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 get too frustrated with either or, or panic too much about about either. Um, everything will work out okay. Fuel up well. Eat well. Recover well. And um, diet and water is huge for for everyone. You know, like just staying hydrated. Big basic things. Get your rest in. Sleep well. And just try and practice. Um, again, have that balance and training that you're not. You're not doing too much, um, because it it can be tough on the body. Mm, so make yeah. so make sure make sure make sure that you're you're recovered going into games as best you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, sideline seven is the segment at the end of every podcast. Uh, same seven questions for every guest. I'm going to okay. start off with question one. What is your favorite quote? Oh God, you have to get me now with that. Are you a big quotes fan or? <laughs> Not uh, oh god! Do you know what? Something will probably come to me when we stop talking. But I'll tell you, <laughs> I, I I have a tattoo, and it's Noli Tamieri. It's probably just the thing that's coming into my head, and it yeah. means "Don't be afraid." Yeah. And Seamus Heaney sent it to his wife in a text message before he died. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they used to speak Latin. It's Latin, Noli Tamieri, and I have it on my arm. Um, probably can't now you won't be able to see it um noli Tamieri, and it means don't be afraid and i just thought it was beautiful a beautiful thing to send to his wife he was dying it was the last thing he said to her and um latin yeah and he sent it to her and it, it, it means don't be afraid it can go for a lot of things like you know don't be afraid and a lot of yeah different different things yeah. in life so I, I liked it so much i got it tattooed on me so that that's probably a quote yeah, yeah don't be absolutely. don't be latin don't noli Tamieri. yeah 
Uh, best sporting event you've been to, and that can be as a fan or as a player. Best sporting event. Um, hell, that's gone. Is there one that I'd like to go to? Best sporting event? No, is that a question? You, yeah, no. you, yeah, you can, you can. If there, do you have like a bucket list of what you want to go to see? I'd love to go to watch the rugby league, uh, Super League final in 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 England. Uh, it's always yeah. in Old Trafford. Um, I'd like to go to that. It's in October time, or yeah, some some rugby league final, yeah, or a big boxing big boxing fight maybe as well. Yeah, is there a particular match that stands out in your career that you particularly enjoyed, or was just a really you know one of those dogged fights um, that you would have pulled out at the end? Did did I did I play it in a game that I played in? Yeah, do you played in yeah. Uh, Mayo in 2009 was a really good game. Quarter final, we bet them. Um, Dublin in 2012 was a really, really good game. Leinster final, even though we lost, we only lost by a goal. Huge crowd, probably 75,000. The place was rocking. Um, we were really, really close to winning that day. Um, and then probably after that, the monster, the monster that is Dublin kind of came after that. But yeah. Um, again, even though I lost, and I wanted to win. I wanted to win so bad. Uh, playing in that game and experiencing that was 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 something that I'd always remember. Yeah. Uh, biggest setback or challenge so far in your career? Uh, probably breaking my leg. I broke my leg in 2010 and did medial ligaments. Um, took me nine or ten months to get back from that. Okay. Um, that was horrific, the pain. Everything, I have a bar in my leg for life. Um, really? Okay, yeah. Yeah, broke me, broke my shin bone, broke my tibia and fibia, dislocated my ankle and did medial ligaments of my knee. So I, I gave it a right good, I gave it, yeah, geez, I gave it a right, a right good going that? over. Playing against Leash in the championship, um, big, big John O'Loughlin fell on me and um, yeah. he's a big, he's a big rig, he's yeah. a big unit, he's a big unit. So, um, oh, yes, I'll never forget the pain of that. My God, that was horrendous. Horrendous. So, um, had to get oxygen on the field and the whole shebang, but yeah, it took me took took me nine or ten months to get back from that hurdle. And you know, people question me again: Will I get back? Will he? Will he be any good? Will he be slow? Will he lose his pace? All those type of things. But um, that was probably a couple of suspensions. But that was, mm. you know, different. Different. The leg was probably the biggest thing to come back from. And that's what I'm going through now. Is what you were saying? Can I get back? And I'm sure there's. You know what I mean? There's probably someone thinking, oh, you know, she won't be what she was before. You know what I mean? And you're questioning yourself and you, to be honest with you, until recently, I didn't have um an ambition to go back and play because I think it really, like, it, it questions, you know, when you're doing, like, I, I can't see, you know, when you're in that, you can't see yourself playing football at the moment. Like, I'm not back running yet, but I can't see myself going training yet. You know what I mean? And it's, it's that mental aspect that you don't think about. Absolutely, and and again, like you're only human. Like I, I them thoughts going through my head. Like I remember, um, yeah. I remember that uh, breaking me when I broke the leg and lying in hospital, and I was still in my gear. Uh, I was in my gear for a day because that was a Saturday night game, and uh, they wouldn't let me shower. Obviously, I wasn't there. My leg was up like a balloon, and um, so David Cogley is the it was the name of the surgeon. 
Mm. Um, your parents probably might have heard, and I, I would have heard, Fred Cogley was like the rugby commentator. He was the famous rugby commentator for Ireland. You definitely, you'll definitely know his voice if you hear him. Fred Cogley was the, was the rugby commentator for the Six Nations and all that of Ireland. And it was his son that did the operation. He was the, the surgeon. But I always remember Bob O'Malley, he was selector, uh, sending me this big essay of a text when I was in the bed. And I was crying and sure I was on painkillers and I didn't know what was going yeah. on. He said, you're going to have dark days, Mickey, or you're going to have serious, serious demons and serious dark days. But you will, you will get back. And I'd say the same to you, you know. Um, it's not going to be easy, but and you will have dark days, but you will cut yeah, I actually believe you will come you will come back a better player. Um Yeah, and I do I, as well. And and it's changed. I can't explain it, but it's just changed, you know, your mindset and I'm doing coaching and that's just opened this other yeah. side of football that I didn't even think about before you know what I mean and it's just different it's totally different and you probably realize uh, it's only when you when you when something's gone you realize how much yeah. you miss it and how much you want it and mm-hmm. um like I was saying I don't mean to be going on about it. that was 20 uh yeah that was 2010 and I was flying with me playing I was playing center back I was actually out of corner back I was playing you know and I was playing so well, I didn't, you know, maybe I would have only played for another two or three years. Maybe I would have got a bit cocky and thought I was the great lad. Yeah. But again, I got the bang. I got cut down at the at the knees. And then I had to I had to say, Jesus, I really missed that. I want I want that. I want to get back playing at that level again. And yeah. that's why I rehabbed hard and 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 had another and had another long career. thank God yeah. played it for another few years. So like yourself, bumps in the road, but we just have to do our best to get up and get on with it and have a positive mindset. And I have no doubt I came back a better footballer and I, I know you'll come back a better player and person as well for, yeah. for having that disappointment, you know? Yeah, yeah no, I even Keep if I faith. never step, exactly. And even if I decide and I I've, I've, haven't put pressure on myself to go back playing, that's the biggest thing for me is because I put myself under pressure. You know, you have to go back, you have to be better. But now it's, if I pick up a football again, I'll be delighted. You know what I mean? It's not... Yeah putting that pressure on and but kind of talking about the flip side of that the positive side what's your biggest achievement on or off the pitch I suppose firstly playing with Mead like actually playing senior with Mead like as I was talking about that Wexford game we were junior B at that time Mm. like um, you know we we, my club eventually got to senior we won we won a junior B we won a junior A and we won an intermediate, but I was in the lowest rung of the ladder with me, like as as a an underage footballer. Like with my mm. my club's first team was only junior B, so mm. pl- actually playing, getting the, I was the first long man to play with me, mm. uh, then playing for as long as I did, mm. and I suppose from an individual point of view, getting the Mead Senior Footballer of the Year in two thousand and eighteen from the county board was. That was really, 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 really special. That was that was that was amazing to 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 get that. You know, that was from a personal point of view. That was that was that's like getting an all, you know, it's like getting an all star uh, in your own count in your own county. Like to to be on the trophy with all those great players. That was that was amazing. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, looking back, what what advice would you give your eighteen year old self? Oh, maybe to chill out a little bit more if I could. Uh, Less training. Eat, eat, eat a few jellies and, and you know, <laughs> yeah, like a few jellies isn't going to do you any harm. Like, um, yeah. again, I was all in. That's my mentality. Yeah. I was all in or, or I was all out. And yeah. at the same time, I kind of, like I repeat myself, 
would I have got to where I did if I didn't have that all-in mentality? I don't know, but um, I would like to have worked on my mindset, I think, you know, not bringing things home with me. I was a fecker for bringing things home with me, you know, and, and excuse me, taking it out maybe on the people that love me the most, mm-hmm. snapping, snapping at my parents and my sister, little things like that, you know. If I didn't have a good game... You know, um, mum and dad who are football mad. My my father is football crazy. You know, he he all he'd want to do is talk about the game after a league game, and I was probably I was crap, and I'd go into the house and he he go, that wasn't great today, was it? By us, and he'd be all about me, and he'd only just be having, I oh shut up, will you? What are you? Ah! And I and I go down to the room. I wish I didn't carry that home with me, like you know. Yeah. Um, that'd probably be the one thing. You know, my girlfriend in the last couple of years probably has to listen to a lot, an awful lot of nonsense off me or not sleeping on a Sunday night after a game. Like, you know, I wouldn't, I'd be up watching telly until three o'clock in the morning thinking about the game. Like, that's, but that's just me. That's just me. Yeah. yeah. And some players can park it at the sideline. Yeah. You know, they can, they can walk over the sideline or walk out of the dressing room and, and yeah. park that. And that just shows everybody's different. And I think that's class. I think, I think that's class as well. I think that's deadly if, if a lad can do that. If a lad can give me everything yeah, or a girl for those 70, 75 minutes plus mm. and, you know, I know that they want to be there and I know that they're giving everything in their tank and then once they walk off the field, um, that's it, that's it, done. Fair play to them. I respect them yeah. for doing that. Maybe when I was a little bit younger, I'd be kind of going, he doesn't care. Like, Why, yeah. why, why, why is he not... Why is he not yeah. hurting? Why is he not like a bull in the dressing room? Like he's showered and he's gone. But he was able to park it. And I respect people now that are able to do that. I say, you know, like, you know, as much as I say football is everything and and sport is everything to me, it's not like at the same time. It's mm. not. And, and um, yeah, maybe I wish I was a little bit more chilled um, yeah. after games. That's probably something I would, I would like to work on. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, dream dinner guest and why? Oh God! I got asked this can, before. I got asked this before. You can before. pick a few. Yeah, <laughs> you can pick a few if you want. My God, dream dinner guest. Oh God. Hmm. Alex Ferguson, maybe. Uh, Roy Keane, maybe. Yeah. Um. God. They're all going to come back to me, and I'll say, "Why didn't I say them?" Um, Maybe George Best, like or someone like that, for the for the crack. I'm picking a lot of Man United people here for some reason. Uh, maybe a good looking woman as well there to to. I get shot for saying this. Maybe Kelly Brook or <laughs> Katy Perry or someone. Yeah, there you go. Just to look uh, at, just just to look at. If your life was a book, what chapter would this be called? As in, what would the name of the book be? No, oh, what, is, what what would this chapter be if you had the life of Mickey Bo- Burke? In this, I've my notebook here beside me. If this was your, your book of your life, if what was this chapter be called? I uh, will go. We we'll go. We we'll go with Noli Tamieri again. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Uh, don't be afraid of what the future is going to hold. Uh, my sporting career, my my work, and uh, maybe call it Noli Tamieri. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Don't know what's around the corner, but we'll meet it head on, whatever it is. Yeah, I like that one. Look, Mickey, thank you so much for your time. It's coming up on two hours. I really appreciate it. And look, just thank you. Thank you for for coming on to chat to me.
not at all. Thanks a million for asking me, Arla. I really enjoyed it. It was very, very natural and uh, keep in touch. Thank you. Will do. Thanks a million, Mickey. No problems. A huge thank you to Mickey for coming on today. Be sure to go check out mickeyburke.ie for high quality sportswear, gloves and more. And be sure to let us know over on social media if you enjoyed the episode and who you would like to hear from. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you did enjoy the episode, be sure to leave a rating and a review. If you are interested in starting up your own podcast, be sure to get in touch with the Primal Productions team over on Instagram at Primal Pro.